The following address took place at the 12th National Jewish Retreat in Palm Desert, California, a project of the Roar Jewish Learning Institute. We hope you enjoy it and encourage you to visit jretreat.com for information on upcoming retreats. And now a keynote address, Out of the Depths, by Rabbi Israel Lau. Chief Rabbi Yisrael Meir Lau is the former Chief Ashkenazic Rabbi of Israel and a world-renowned speaker, lecturer, and advocate for the Jewish people. Rabbi Lau emerged from the ashes of the Holocaust to become one of Israel's greatest leaders. The Buchenwald survivor tended to a generation of orphans, and today his story of hope, heroism, and renewal is a source of inspiration for many across Israel and the world. Rabbi Lau enjoyed a uniquely close relationship with the Lubavitcher Rebbe that spanned from Rabbi Lau's early days in the rabbinate until he was appointed as chief rabbi and charged with addressing the religious needs of all of Israel. Currently the chief rabbi of Tel Aviv and chairman of the Yad Vashem Council, Rabbi Lau is recognized globally as one of Israel's leading figures and a foremost authority on Judaism. The National Jewish Retreat is honored to welcome Chief Rabbi Lau. Good evening, everybody. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thank you to Rabbi Tzvi Reisman, my good friend, for his warm introduction. Thank you for the leadership of JLA, JLI. It's the second time that I spent with you a few days. Six years ago, we were together in Florida, in Port Lauderdale, together with Rav Kotlowski, Rav Minz, and Rav Dubi Rabinovitz. And now from east to west, what a jump from Fort Lauderdale to Palm Springs. I'm very happy to meet you all here. And uh, my theme tonight is the book. Not about myself, not about my life, which is very important, the book, Out of the Depths. When this book appeared 12 years ago in Hebrew, of course, <clears throat> since then it's translated into 10 languages. The first we needed to translate it were the Chinese and then the Japanese. And I have received since then, I wouldn't say exaggerating, not thousands, many thousands of letters from readers, Jewish and not Jewish, for that book. One of the letters showed me that it was appropriate and it was nice for me to open the wounds of 60 years that I didn't speak. I spoke about the Holocaust many, many times. Before Yad Vashem, after Yad Vashem, but about my own story, even my children didn't know the whole story. They knew some episodes here and there. Sixty years after the end of the war, 
I finished the cadence of 10 years chief rabbi of Israel and I understood from heaven this is my time to tell the story for the future generation, not only my family, but everyone who finds an interest to know a little bit what happened and why. One of the letters showed me that I was right by enforcing myself to open the wounds and to go back to the past. This letter was written to me by a soldier a few months after the Second Lebanese War, very difficult war, unsuccessful war. The hardest injured soldier was taken from Lebanon by a helicopter to the Rambam Hospital in Haifa. He had to pass through seven operations. The seventh one was the biggest one, didn't succeed. He would die within days unless the surgeon told the, his parents that he has a chance to make the same operation again. But the soldier who is now 21 years old already has to sign that he agrees to that operation. I receive a letter from a soldier whom I never met before and he didn't see me only on the television, heard in the radio, he wrote me a long letter. And in the letter it tells about his injuring in Bint Jbeil in Lebanon, all the operations, how exhausted he is, how weak he is, how he lost the desire for life. He's depressed. They brought him the formula to write, to sign for a new operation. He threw it away, said to his parents, basta, enough, that's all. I cannot fight anymore. The Lord Almighty gave me 21 years, it's enough. I had you, you have other children, not only me. I leave, I did mine not ready to any more sufferings, more pain, enough. Mother cried, didn't help her. It was my birthday. All the family and some friends came to the hospital with balloons, with paintings, Mazaltov, Yom Huledet, happy birthday to you. I looked at them and I tried to catch the eyes of each of them because for me it was not a birthday party, but a party of separation. I understood that this is the last time that I see them and I'm shown by them. Except my parents, I will never meet one of them. They left at like almost midnight. I couldn't sleep so, from pain. Three o'clock in the morning, I felt something hard in my bed. I found it is a book. I opened, it is a present given to me by one of my friends. Don't raise your hand against the boy by Rabbi Israel Meyerlau about his childhood in Holocaust. I didn't understand. 
This is a present to one who is going to die. Something optimistic for the rabbi. Give me a nice book, the romance. A rabbi, for me, I am far from religion. But I started, I had nothing but to do. Three o'clock a.m. I couldn't leave it. I ended the book, it was 1 p.m. 10 hours with the book. I knew that my mother is in the corridor. I shouted out, Ima, mother. She was jumping into my room. What happened to you? Said, Bring me the formula. I want to sign. I am going to a new operation. What happens? I showed your book and said, this is what happened. I'm ashamed for my behavior in the last days. I read the book of Rabbi Lau. If this child, no father, no mother, no language, except a brother, he had nothing in the world, came here to Israel and became what he is and overcame all the obstacles in spite of all the difficulties. If he can do it, I cannot disappoint you anymore. Sorry what I made for you last days. Give me the formula. I go to the operation. Maybe you will succeed. If not, at least I did all what I can. I want to tell you that I write this letter one day before I leave the hospital. Tomorrow, I'm going back home. The operation succeeded. I go without scratches, not in a wheelchair, on my own legs. Thank you for the book which saved my life. I came home, to the office came this letter, I told my wife, I have heard about a book who attracted people, who enchanted people, but a book which saved a life. This is the matter. It was worthy to go back 60 years, back to that hell, to the dark tunnel, to save the life of one Israeli soldier in the Rambam Hospital in Haifa. I want from the whole book to share with you one episode, no more, because I'm, we are limited in time. One episode, it appears in the book, but I want to tell it to you from heart to heart. We were liberated in Buchenwald, a concentration camp of the Nazis in East North Germany, near the city of Weimar, the city of culture. On April 11.45, by an American army led by General Patton. We are there seven weeks until they arranged the Jewish agency, we called Aliyata Noir. They arranged a list of some children and boys who want to, to go on Aliyah. That time wasn't the Israeli state exists yet, 1945, years before 
the State of Israel was founded, we, together with some children, orphanages from Bergen-Belsen, were brought to Buchenwald. We came on June the 2nd, 45, to a train which took us throughout Germany from east to west to France. 90 kilometers from Paris is a village called Ecouilly. And there was a sanatorium supported, sponsored by some Jewish welfare organizations like the OSE. It's like the joint here in America. And some private people who supported this sanatorium. We had the doctors there, psychologists, food, clothes, shoes. A few weeks there. And we had time to discuss via Hinsel again. Tell me where shall I go? The majority went to Eretz Israel. These who had certificates from the British mandate who ruled over so-called Palestine on that time. Many stayed in France. Some had relatives in the United States and in Canada and South Africa. They went to their relatives. There was a lady, Mrs. Rachel Mintz. She was like the mother of about 500 children, boys and children. She spoke Polish, she spoke French. She was not only a psychologist, she was our mother. Once upon a time, noontime, the lunch in the dining room, she said, boys, I want from you one favor. Four o'clock in the afternoon, on the grass of the village Ecoui, I want all of you, about 500 people, to be on the grass to welcome guests. We have very important dignitaries. The mayor of Ecoui, the head of the police in the area, the head of the army in the area, and some people who Take care for this sanatorium in Equi for you. We have to welcome them. One of our boys, about 20 years old, stood up and said, Pana Mintsova, Mrs. Mintz, we will not be there. I didn't ask my friends, but I'm sure that I represent their mind. None of us will be there. We have no interest to welcome any visitors here. Mayor, chief, police, army, where were they six years when they killed our parents? They have arrested us in the camps. Now it's few weeks after the liberation. We have heard the news what happened in those six years. They kept silent. They didn't say a word, especially here in France. Most of them cooperated with the Nazis. They opened the gates, they opened the arms for the Germans. Except very few maquis, the underground movement. Now they come to take photos with orphanages of Buchenwald and Bergen-Belsen. We will not cooperate. No pictures, nothing. Mrs. Mintz knew that without these guests, there is no existence for 
the sanatorium for us and for other children who will follow us. She said, I will tell you something, a secret. Please, it's a confidential. I was told, they asked me all the names of you, that each of you will receive from them a present, a bag, and on the present will be tattooed the name of each of you. This present was toothbrush, sabon, toothpaste. But the main thing was the name. Your name will appear on the bag. This is the first time that we have a name. So far we were only numbers. We didn't have a name. Six years, numbers. My identity was not Lau Israel, but Heftling. Heftling in Deutsch means prisoner, number, number, 1170310117030. This was my identity. My brother, 117029. No name, no Naftali. And here we have a present for a child who didn't receive a present six years with his name on it. That boy stood again on his leg and said, Panaminsova, as I told you, we don't want their presents. We don't need them. We are on our way to Eretz Israel. We have no contact with them. They kept quiet. And we cannot forgive her. She went out at the door, she said only the last sentence was, children, do it for me. I beg you, do it for me. And she went out. The decision was made that all of us will be on the grass four o'clock exactly because of Mrs. Mintz. She is like a mother to us. But to show our anger, to demonstrate our upsetness, we will not cooperate with them. We will not give hands. We will not take pictures with them. We will not even look at their faces. We will look at the grass. We will be there, all of us, but with no cooperation. We want them to feel how angry we are. This will be the demonstration. In my home, you can find an illustrated magazine from Paris called Paris Match. From 1965, 20 years after the liberation, after the end of the war, the magazine brought a story called The Buchenwald, about the children of Buchenwald, about us. In that magazine, an illustrated one, there are two pages in center, in one picture, a lady stands near a microphone, this was Mrs. Mintz. Some dignitary sat on a bench next to her, some with uniform, some civil. And from that point, you see only shaved heads, no one face, not a couple of eyes, not a mouth, not a nose, nothing, but shaved Hands, heads, looking at the grass. This is the picture that the guests 
saw from the podium. So they understood that they have no crowd here to, pe to speak to. Mrs. Mintz spoke in French and in Polish, said, now we will have the blessing from the mayor of Ecuy, Monsieur so-and-so. He came to the microphone and said only one sentence. He understood there is nobody to speak to. We are very happy that you are with us. We hope that you will stay in France and you will be citizens of France. Now the mayor, the minister, police, army, almost the same words. One sentence and that's all. And then Mrs. Min said, now I want to represent for you the last speaker tonight, today, Mr. Leibovich. I know Mr. Leibovich from our city lodge in Poland. He's a watcher. I met him before the war. We were both in France. I studied here in the university and he was an industrial. He had a factory of textile. He was kept by the Nazis sent to Auschwitz, he lost there his whole family, a wife with three children. He himself survived. Just after the liberation of Auschwitz, which was three months before Buchenwald, and three months before Bergen-Belsen, on the 27th of January, 45, he understood that he has nothing to look for in Lodge. He went straight to France by train, wanted to know what happened to his factory. To his surprise, the factory worked, even for uniform for the Nazis. And one who was running the factory put the whole profit, six years, in the bank account on the name of Leibovich. Leibovich found himself a wealthy man with a lot of money, but a lonely man. He made a swore, a promise, like a nether. He will not enjoy this money, but he is donating everything for orphanages of the Holocaust, survivors, and he is one of the sponsors, main sponsors of ECOE, of our sanatorium. Mr. Leibovich, please. All of a sudden, about 500 heads were lifted up spontaneously to look with empathy, sympathia, to Mr. Leibovich. He is not an address to demonstrate against. We cannot oppose the very appearance of Leibovich. He is one of us. We looked at him. He was touched by arriving to Equi. When he saw the demonstration, he was touched even more. And now, when everyone looked at him with such a cooperation and friendship, he was so touched that he couldn't say more than three words I can never forget in Yiddish. Kinder! children.
And after a while, tired kind, dear children. And he started to cry. An old man crying in the microphone. It's very unpleasant phenomenon. And he couldn't overcome. He cried. Mrs. Mintz was very sensitive and very smart. She stood up from the bench, took him in his arm, and we heard in the microphone his, she saying to him in Polish, you have done your speech already, Mr. Leibovich. Please sit down. She was afraid that something will happen to him. Sit down. It was quiet. And then happened a miracle. Every one of the 500 boys felt all of a sudden that his face became wet. Everyone tries with the sleeves to dry his face because it was for us a shame to cry. We were heroes who overcame the Nazis, who overcame six years of a dark tunnel to cry. It fits a child, not a cassetting, the one who is a graduator of cassett of a concentration camp. But we couldn't stand up. And one started to cry loudly, and like an epidemic. All the 500, free, crying loudly. Not a shame anymore, we couldn't stop. Five minutes is a long time. Equi became the valley of tears. Eime Kabacha. Cry. And then one of our friends stood up. He was about 19 or 20. Aaron. I knew only the first name. Aaron. And he gave a speech. The speech of Aaron, I want it for you to take it with you. From GLI, the message of that speech. And speech I take with me 72 years. On behalf of my friends, said Aaron, even I didn't ask them, I'm sure that I will represent each of them. I want to thank you. Pana Minsova, Mrs. Mins, and the guests. Not for your visit, we didn't ask for it. Not for the present, we didn't want it. But we do thank you for one present you gave us in the last minutes. Since the liberation on April 11, two months ago, I never could sleep at night. Because I think to myself, Aaron, what future do you have? What is waiting for you? You cannot cry. You forgot to laugh. Maybe you are not a human being anymore after those years. When they slaughtered my father, in my very eyes, I was 16. I didn't let the Nazis to see me crying. 
When I was beaten in Buchenwald 25 times with a mica, a rubber gun, I didn't let them to see a Jewish child, a Jewish boy crying. I didn't cry. Now I think instead of heart, a normal heart, I have a stone here. And if I have no emotions and no feelings, not to cry and not to laugh, who will marry me? These are my thoughts. Who will build with me a family? I'm not a human being. Ich bin nicht kein Mensch. I'm not a Mensch. You speak about survival of Holocaust, but what after the survival? He expressed the feelings after survival. What will be with us? No family. No feelings, nothing. Stones. This is what bothered me last two weeks. Five minutes ago, we cried. This is a, a very great gift you gave us in your visit. The ability to cry. Every one of us understands that if you can cry today, you have a chance to laugh tomorrow. So thank you for the gift you gave us. And before I sit, Aaron said, I want to tell you something. And this is the message of JLI. I am in a, from a shtetl in Poland. But my grandfather lived in Warsaw, the capital city of Poland. He was a merchant. He had a store there. Every summer vacation, July, August, my parents used to send me over from the shtetl to be with grandfather in Warsaw. Because of me, he closed the store before sunset in the afternoon and he took me for a walk on the bank of the river, the national river in Poland called Wisla, all over Poland. We used to walk on the Wisla and my grandfather taught me Bible, Tanakh. Every day another chapter he chose. And some of them he insisted on that I will repeat and repeat till I know it by heart. And the day later he tested me. Dear friends, Aaron says, I forgot everything. Six years that I didn't open a book. Six years that I didn't see in my eyes the Tanakh. Only one chapter I do remember. Because that chapter I am repeating every night during those six years. I felt that I need this chapter for my future, for my hopes, for my dreams. I know it by heart because I am saying it six years every night before I close my eyes in the ghetto, in the train in the work camp, in the concentration camp, six years. And I will say it to you in Hebrew, the language of the prophet, and then I will translate for you in Polish. And he quoted Ezekiel 37.
the dry bones. The prophecy of Yechezkel Anavi הייתה על היד השם ויניחני בתוך הבקעה והיא מלאה עצמות והנה רבות מאוד על פני הבקעה והנה יבשות מאוד. The hand of the Lord was upon me, he brought me to a valley, the valley was full with bones, very many bones, dry bones. And then the Lord asked me, בן אדם, מנש, התחיינה העצמות האלה? Do they have a chance to live these dry bones? And the prophet answered, Hashem Elohim, God in heaven, Atayadata, only you know the answer. I don't know. Then a wind blew, and the wind brought all the bones one to the other, and they became corpses, legs, arms, heads, corpses, but with no spirit of life, dead corpses. And then he asked me again, Hatichiena Samotaele, now answer to me. Do they have a chance to live? Resurrection? Triatamatim? I said, Atayadat, only you know. Another wind came stronger. In, inside of each of these corpses, and they stood up of their legs, a great great battalion of living people. And then the Almighty said to the Prophet, these dry bones are the symbol for the Jewish nation. I know what they say. Yavshu atzmoteinu. Our bones are dry. Avda tikvateinu. We lost hope. Nigzarnu lanu. We are cut off, disconnected from life. So I tell you, you have a mistake. I will open your graves. I will take you out, up of your graves, O oh my people. And I will bring you to the land of Israel. Aaron finished his talk and said, We are the dry bones. We thought that we are cut off. We thought that we lost hope. But Father in heaven opened the graves. For us, all Europe is a grave, a cemetery. He takes us up from the grave, where to? El Admat Israel, to the land of the Jewish people. This prophecy kept me six years alive without teaching. me. Bible, I would get lost. I would be desperated. One chapter of the whole Bible keeps a man, in spite of all that hell, alive. And said, 50 years later, I end the story. There is an intifada in Israel, riots, of the committing suicides, terrorists. One of them entered in Yerushalayim, in the heart of Yerushalayim, Yafo Corner King George was a coffee house, a restaurant called Sbarro. Entered in, 1.50 p.m., killed himself with a bomb and took with him 15 innocent people, many other injured.
Among those 15 was one family, a father and mother and three children. The other two daughters, Chayale and Leale, aged 10 and 8, were in the, taken to the hospital Bikur Cholim, very close to Sbarro restaurant, very hard injured. I was with the two girls, but day after the murder, I went to the funeral, of course. I officiated the wedding of this couple. He was an immigrant from Holland. His name was Moti Mordechai Scheves Hurder. His father was the president of Agudat Israel, Naguda in Holland. He married a daughter, a girl from Netanya, where I was chief rabbi at that time, Tzira Friedman. The wedding took place in Tel Aviv, and they had eight children, three boys in the IDF, and those five who were taken to the restaurant for the end of the summer vacation to have with their father. In another hospital in Shari Tzedek, I met two girls from Australia, whereas tourists also in the restaurant, injured. And I asked one of them, what do you remember before the attack? She said, I remember only one thing. Before the fire, before the bomb, the father with children were sitting in a table next to us. We have heard them speaking. And when the bomb happened, before I lost consciousness, I have heard these are the last words that the father said to the children. Kids, say with me, Shema Israel. And they said, Shema Israel, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, before they went away. And this is the last words I remember from that massacre. This was the Motis Cheves I went a day later on Sunday. Funeral took place on Friday. The massacre was on Thursday in the afternoon. Sunday I went to another hospital, Hadassah in Karem, to visit some others more difficult injured. Usually the professors knew that I'm going to visit as chief rabbi to all the injured. From Yosef Tal Hospital in Eilat till Haemek in Afula in the north. And Hadassah in Karen, there were very many. Four professors went with me to an emergency room. Professor Durst, Professor Gottesman, Professor Slavin, and Professor Shapiro. And they explained to me the situation of each of that people. But they didn't tell me the whole story because some of the relatives were inside of that room. We went out of the emergency room, staying in a corridor, narrow corridor. And then they told me the whole truth. Who has a chance to live? Who not? And what situation to go out from the hospital? When we stand, four professors with me in the corridor, 
I hear a sound behind me. Slicha, excuse me. Efshar lavor po. May I pass here through? Because you close the corridor. Spontaneously, two of us went on this wall, the other three to the other wall, enabled him to pass. He passed, and then he looked back and said, Harav Lau? I said, Ken. I didn't recognize the man. Shalom, he said. Ani Aaron. I am Aaron. Fifty years after. I said, Aaron from Ekui? He said, yes, Aaron from Ekui. I asked him, Aaron of the dry bones? He couldn't answer. He had tears in his eyes and he left me. The four professors asked me, how do you know Aaron? And what is Ekui and why, why dry bones? I told them the story. They knew Aaron. His name is Aaron Feldberg. I didn't know. He was the chief accountant of Hadassah and Karem Hospital. The whole hospital was on his shoulders till he left the pension. And I told them the story about the dry bones, the speech of this Aaron. I didn't know his last name, but I cannot forget even one word of that speech. No one eye was dry after I told them about the speech of that Aaron. Later on, we spoke on the telephone, doesn't matter. One thing I can assure you, guests, members, and participants of JLI, one chapter of the Holy Bible, one prophecy of one of the 48 prophets we had saved the life of one man. And because of him, he gave hope and optimism to the hearts of all the 500 boys who were together with Aaron Feldberg in Equi. So you understand what it means to come to a place like this to listen to Dvar Torah, to hear about Parashata Shavua, to study a piece of our sages' wisdom, and to carry it with us till the rest of our life, and to tell it to our neighbors, to our families at all, and to tell them what have we studied in those days, how important it is, and you can never know what it's the donation of these days for the rest of our lives. Thank you for our attendance. Please visit myjli.com to learn more about JLI's multiple educational offerings and toracafe.com to view highlights and lectures from past retreats.